Hi, and welcome back to this podcast, Boy and the Wolves of Chilga, the first in the Wolves of Chilga series. Episode 6, Boy Leads the Way. Boy and the wolves were settling down to sleep when they first heard it. A piercing screech. Everybody jumped up to look for what had made the noise. The wolves immediately formed a ring facing outward. The children were herded into the middle. After five minutes, wolves had told them to settle, but posted grey paws and small ears with instructions that the camp should be guarded all night. The second screech shook him awake. He'd been in a deep sleep. He felt disorientated, trying to think straight, whilst the wolves moved quickly and silently around him. He could see nothing. Where's the noise coming from? He whispered to Malena. He felt a shrug in the dark. I don't know. Seemed as though it's coming from above us. This time the wolves remained as they were. The screeches continued, sometimes nearer, sometimes further away, but always from above. Boy slept little. He was exhausted. But every time he starts to slip into sleep, another cry would wake him. The screech again. This time much closer, followed by a beating of wings. It sounded huge, but made no sense. Never have we seen such a bird, said Biter or Malena agreed. Boy looked out across the plains. It was getting light in the east. It would soon be dawn. Then a screech and a shape. It was huge coming towards them, a wolf standing and leaping skywards, a howl of pain and giant claws above him, a whoosh of wings and wind in his face. And it was gone. Wolf's face. Small ears, are you badly hurt? No? Good. Come to me, all of you. The seconds and the minutes seemed to go on forever. The screech again. Boy scoured the sky again, looking for the creatures. The light was improving every second. There! he shouted, and pointed up, seeing a dark shape, wings outstretched, dropping towards them, screeching again and again, long-necked, huge gliding wings and massive, vicious claws. He realised with horror they were so big they could carry off one of the wolves. Back to the doorway. They cannot so easily attack there, ordered Wolfsir. And as one, the wolves moved backwards, whilst keeping on watch for another attack. Boy and Elena knelt against the cliff wall, protected by the wolves in front of them. The birds circled, but as the sun began to rise, so did the number circling. Three became five, then six, then more. Pack, they are gathering for an attack. Be ready, Wolsa's voice calm despite everything. The sun will soon be in our faces. We must concentrate. It will be difficult to see them. The screeching was continuous. Boy shaded his eyes with his hands and watched with horror as they began to circle closer and closer. Their heads were strange. Even at a distance he could see they did not have beaks, but long leathery faces, and when they screeched he could see the rows of teeth. An attack was bound to happen, and with the number and their claws and teeth he understood the danger they were in. He saw them turn in towards them. Boy suddenly felt the fear began to drain away from him. Replaced by anger, Malena and the wolves were his friends. He would not let them be hurt. He glared at the birds as they banked and swooped down towards them. Faster and faster they came, screeching their claws outstretched. No! he screamed in his head. Get back! his mind shouted above the terrible screeches. 
Instantly, they broke away in confusion. The screeching resumed and became continuous as they circled again. They came in for a second time, and again he screamed at them in his mind to go away. As before, they backed off and circled. Why are they shearing off? he heard one of the wolves ask. Stay calm and in place. Be grateful they do, came Wolf's order. The sun became blinding as he rose completely across the plain. The birds gathered again, circling closer and closer. The noise was deafening. Suddenly there was a loud jarring noise behind them. Look, Melina cried out. The rock, it's, it's the entrance. Except it wasn't one. It was a gold outline of a huge double door, and in the middle was an image, an image of a wolf's head. Boy, put your hands on the wolf's head, Wolsa shouted, quickly, before they attack again. He stood up and placed both hands at the centre of the giant image. He felt his hands growing warm and tingle, felt the rock shiver. The screeching again. He turned his head to see the birds were attacking. He shouted his mind, but without time to gather himself, they kept coming. Realising what was about to happen, he turned around and screamed at the top of his voice, No! The wolves jumped at his scream and watched with amazement as the lead bird, with his talons outstretched, was suddenly blown backwards into the two birds behind. For he watched as they all frantically flapped their wings to veer away, the screeching now one of alarm. Behind him he could hear a grating sound. He turned. The rock outline had become doors. Rock doors that were opening inwards. Quickly, inside, roared Wolsa. And they turned and fled into the doorway. Boy felt his body lifted by his collar as though he weighed nothing. Feet dangling, he was whisked into the cavern. Biter dropped Boy gently to the ground. Best to look from in here, I thought, he said. Thank you, Biter, smiled Boy as he reached up to pat his flanks. He stood up and looked around in fascination as the birds, one after another, landed on the ground outside the doorway, confused about how to pursue their attack. With all the wolves safely inside and keeping guard, Boy turned to look at the cave. It had three columns on each side chiselled out of the bare rock. Beyond them, and cut into the back wall, was a tunnel entrance. The entrance was framed by two stone figures, taller than the wolves. One held an open book whilst the second had been damaged and only the stumps of his arms remained. Inside the entrance was a series of steps that were quickly lost in the tunnel darkness. Well done, everyone. Well done. Wulsa walked through the group, nodding to each of them. I do not know where this will lead, but to hope and danger. We must be on our guard. Come, it is time to leave these birds. Meanwhile, with the soldiers, the captain was thoughtful. The gorge lay beneath them. The river looked calm enough, but the path, that would be tricky. A noise, a screeching noise, attracted his attention. He looked up. Birds. But such birds. They were giants. His instincts told him they were hunters. Yes, they would need watching. Sergeant! We rest until late this afternoon. We must risk an evening crossing. I do not trust those creatures above us. In the tunnel, Melena had caught up with Greypaws, who was carrying her basket. She thanked her as they walked along, and Melena reached in and pulled out a tiny cage. She opened the floor of it and took out what looked like a large brown nut. 
She peeled it to reveal a large slug. It curled and twisted in her hands as she pushed it into the cage and reclosed it. Suddenly, the slug changed colour from white to orange and then began glowing. A soft light filled the tunnel, showing the way. Boy could now see the steps were smooth and worn, obviously very old. He realised that they continued as far as the light carried, and always upwards. The air was stale and the steps built for men, not wolves. It was hard work for all of them. After what seemed hours, Wolsa called a break. Little was said for a few minutes. Then Melena spoke. Wolsa, why couldn't the birds attack? I mean, why did they duck away? Boy felt the wolf's large eyes looking deeply into him. I think Boy can best explain it. We all felt it, Boy. Melena, with a look of puzzlement on her face, stared at Wolsa and then turned to Boy. Boy looked down. He avoided her gaze. He felt embarrassed again, but no one spoke. They were all waiting for his answer. I... I feel a power, he whispered, almost to himself. What do you mean? said Melena. What parent? What's that got to do with the birds? Boy looked pleadingly at Biter, who nodded encouragingly. I... I... I seem to be able to understand animals, and they me. It was like the animal that wanted to attack Detra and me. I felt this power. I need, I feel it throughout me. When it's in me, I, I can command animals to stop attacking me. And the power, it, like an invisible force, just flows from me towards them. It's only happened a few times. I, I don't really understand it. Wusa spoke. I believe you have been called here to protect the land and to use your powers to save it. I, indeed all of us, recognize the power that lies within you, boy. It is how you use it and when that will become important. Like any gift, it is to be used wisely. Come, we are here without food and water, and I do not know how far we must travel. It is time to go. Journey continued. It seemed like as if it would never end. The walls and ceilings were bare the steps worn. Whoever lived here must have been very successful to have been able to dig such a tunnel, he thought. His legs were aching. The steps were not large, but they were wide and deep, and he had to stretch for each step. He had no idea how long he'd been climbing. Then another stop, more walking and climbing. His legs, now rubbery, were struggling to keep up. Biter leaned forward. Get on to my back, boy. I can see you're exhausted. Boy shook his head to say no. He had heard Biter slipping on the stones. He knew he must be as hot and as thirsty and as exhausted as he was. They carried on. Boy didn't think he could walk much further. They had lost all sense of time. All he could do was focus on lifting his feet and putting them down, one in front of the other. Later, much later, Wolsa called a halt. We rest here for the night. Sleep as you can. The walls as one lay down across the steps. Boy curled up alongside them, too tired to worry about how uncomfortable it was. All too soon he awoke. He was on his side. He was stiff and sore. The air, though, was still stale and stuffy. His throat was so dry. He rubbed his eyes, and before he knew it, Wolsa was calling them to begin again. Boy had no idea whether it was day or night, 
or how long they've been walking, when Walter suddenly stopped and sniffed the air. There is water here, not too far away. Come, he was so thirsty, and yet his spirits rose at the thought of a long drink. It had been so hot in the stale air, but now the temperature was dropping. There was a breeze against his face. The pack began to hurry. There was a noise, a steady roar somewhere. In the distance, they continued to climb. The noise became louder and louder. The air became damper, fresher somehow. It was getting brighter. He wasn't relying on Melena's light anymore. In front of them, the steps were wider and wider, leading to an archway from where the light was coming. The rock around the arch was smooth and covered in runes. In front of the arch was a huge hole in the roof. It seemed to stretch upwards, but was lost in the darkness. The noise interrupted his thoughts. The roaring was increasing. It was coming from the other side of the archway. Every step it became lighter. What, he wondered, was awaiting them. The wolves bounded ahead and gathered at the top of the stairs. Boy followed them. He gasped in awe as he looked through the archway into the hall. The walls were a mixture of columns, runes and sculpted figures. Large sweeping columns that led up to the ceiling decorated with trees and flowers and giant creatures. But it was the far wall that drew everyone's attention. Boys stared with the wolves. Five arches had been cut through the rock from nearly the floor to the ceiling. You couldn't see beyond the openings, which were like giant windows because blocking the view was a wall of water, a huge waterfall. The noise was deafening. Quenching his thirst was his biggest desire. With the walls, he ran to a large stone on the right-hand side of the hall. Waist high, it was like a giant birdbath, held up by a stone plinth carved into the shape of a hand. He quickly joined them for a cool, refreshing drink. As boy finished, Malena shouted. She'd gone to the far end of the hall. The final archway did not have a water curtain like the others. It was an open archway. The walls gathered beside her. He stayed reluctant to leave the cool, refreshing water, splashing it over his face and savouring the sweet taste. There! It's there! The walls crowded around her, and he heard Wolster say, Yes, child, you are right. The relief and pleasure in his voice were obvious. Boy ran over to them, squirming past the shifting legs of the wolves and pushing up beside Malena. She grabbed him, beaming. Look! Look, you can see it! From the open archway, there were steps leading down against the rock face and away from the waterfall. He looked up above the steps. The rock face seemed to go upwards forever. Downwards, he carried on down. Thousands of steps that eventually led into a forest, there were hundreds of meters above it. Then he realized what she meant. For across the forest canopy, many, many kilometers away, in the far distance, he could see a mountain, cone-shaped, on its own, snow-capped upon gray rock. But there, beneath the gray rock around its base, he could make out a band of purple and yellow. The purple mountain. They had found it. The sighting of the Purple Mountain and the refreshing water meant all the hardships were forgotten. Melina hugged Boy and he hugged her back. The wolves were moving around excitedly, pushing each other and the children in their joy. Wolves had called them to order and they gathered round the stone bowl. They stood in a circle facing each other. 
Together they intone the relevant parts of the prophecy. Seek a mountain of yellow and purple, through creatures terrible to see. Harvest the goodness that grows there, to save those at home who may die. Wusa looked at each of them in turn. I fear the journey in front of us will be full of dangers. We must be watchful of everything we see or touch. We will need to take care, and yet, Lord, we must make haste wherever we can. Come, let us make our packs proud and deliver them from this sickness. Run long, run safe. The other wolves nodded in approval and intoned in reply. Run long, run safe, run for the pack. Wusa led them through the archway to the steps. Thousands upon thousands of steps, cut into the rock and leading down into the forest. He signaled they should descend, warning them to keep close to the rock face. For at the other side of the steps was a drop too deep to contemplate. The steps, like those in the tunnel, were old and worn, and must have been cut out many, many years ago. Within a few steps, the atmosphere changed completely. It was like walking into a wall of humid heat. He was relieved to a degree by the constant cool spray from the waterfall beside and above him. Below him, the forest trees were not like home or chilga. They were like pictures of a jungle. The tangle of huge green leaves and long vine ropes hung like tendrils from the treetops. The heat, the noise, the birds and animal cries, roars and shrieks were nothing he'd ever encountered. The wolves were looking up into the sky. Boy instinctively followed their graze. Nothing. No, not true. High, high above them were birds gliding. They were too far away to be sure if they were the same birds as before. But they were big. Of that he was sure. Wolves had called for them all to hurry in case it was them. One of the wolves turned and motioned that Biter should go ahead, then himself and Fleetfoot himself last. He smiled at the wolf. Boy didn't know him that well, kept himself to himself. Boy then concentrated, for he had to work hard to keep up with Biter, and he had so little time to look at the rich green trees below that seemed to stretch out into the far distance. He would like to have stopped and taken it all in, but a growl from Fleetfoot reminded him of the need to keep up. Wusa was rushing, all the time watching out for danger. Boy was struggling to keep up with Biter, and soon the three of them were beginning to lag behind. It came out of nowhere. He became aware of a shadow. Almost immediately it was a huge shadow. Boy flattened himself against the rock wall. It was there, a giant bird sweeping along the wall's side, flying on its side, talons outstretched, mouth wide open, rows of razor-sharp teeth now clearly visible. Fleetfoot turned to fight it. There was a thump as the talons caught him mid-body. A cry of pain, and he was gone. Gone. The giant bird screeched its success as it flew off into the distance, with the wolf hanging limply from his claws. It all happened so fast. Boyd had no time to protect him. The pack stood still, shocked and dismayed. One of the wolves began to howl, a cry of sorrow and loss. Another one joined in before Wolsa snapped at them to stop. Where there is one, there will be other birds. There will be time to mourn our loss later. Boy, climb onto Biter, Milena onto Growler, and both of you ride in the middle of the pack. 
Boy, search the skies to stop them. We must hurry. We cannot fight them. Boy's brain was numb. He should have been watching. He hadn't seen them. Fleetfoot had lost his life for him. The wolves were running down the steps, covering the ground three or four times faster than before. The constant jolts made him cling on to Bita's fur. He felt his eyes watering. It's my fault. It was all he could think of. He felt the sadness of the pack around him. A voice came into his mind. It was You are not responsible. Feel the sadness of our loss. But only that. It is the way. You must not blame yourself, boy. Help us now. Use your sharp eyes and help to protect us, my child. Yes, Walter. Boy looked up and started to scan the skies above him. At first he was a speck in the distance. And then he became a bird circling a long way away. And then it was two, three, no, half a dozen. Walter! shouted Boy. Look out! They're gathering! This was Boy and the Wolves of Chilga. Written, narrated, and recorded by Simon Taylor. For more information about Simon Taylor, his books, radio broadcasts, and school storytelling, go to www.simontaylorstoryteller.com.